Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. All right, welcome back here on WGR Sports Radio 515th edition of Sports Talk Saturday. Brayton Wilson filling in for Nate Geary this week. Thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We're going to jump right to the Western Hotline right now and welcome in Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 in Houston as he joins us right now to talk some Texans football. Brandon, thanks again for taking the time this afternoon now to join us in Morning in Houston. Thanks again for coming on the show. Hey, man, I appreciate you guys for having me. And I'm going to tell you right now, if y'all are having trouble getting in and out of the breaks, this is the worst time to bring in a long-winded Southerner like myself. <laughs> I can talk for a long time, so let's see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I mean, the, there's a lot of uh, – we have a lot of – we have a lot of shows here that are very well known for being late to the break. I mean, our we morning show – We have a reputation. We have a very good reputation for being late to the break, so that's okay, Brandon. We'll we'll manage, and that's that's what we pay the big bucks for our producers to figure Welcome out when to, when to get to break on time and everything. Birds of a feather. Birds of a feather. It's the same way here in Houston. <laughs> Very good. Well, Brandon, uh, after a week one win for Houston, certainly it's been for the past two weeks for the Texans, uh, it's been a little troublesome with everything that's kind of been going on with injuries and with, uh, especially as of late, a couple guys going on the reserve COVID-19 list. Just how has been the reaction to the opening three games of the season down in Houston, Ben, with the fans? I do think that the Texans are better than what was expected, you know, coming into the season with all the backdrop of Deshaun Watson and even aside from the Deshaun Watson situation, just you look at the last couple of years and the the the, the talent dearth here here in Houston between, you know, losing DeAndre Hopkins last year, JJ Watt's gone now and and you look at the team that the Bills played against you know, two years ago in the postseason, and this is nothing like that team. I want to say there might be something like five starters remaining from that squad. So it's a totally different team, total buzz killing Houston in terms of, you know, Texas being a football uh, football place and Houston being a football town and the football team not being very good. But to that point, Tyrod Taylor did look a lot better. And you guys are obviously very familiar with Tyrod. He looked a lot better than I think was expected early in the season. So seeing him go down with the hamstring injury and missing a few games and having to play the rookie Davis Mills a lot earlier than anyone would have preferred, mm-hmm. has I, I think that's dampened a little bit what the anticipation was after that first game against Jacksonville where they scored 37 points and looked like a much more competent offense than anybody expected them to be without Deshaun Watson. And, of course, Tyrod Taylor was playing very well in that first half when he went down with the hamstring injury against Cleveland. So the Davis Mills experiment so far, it looks like how you would expect, you know, with a rookie out there, he doesn't look completely overwhelmed, but he's also a rookie. And so you're limited in what you can do. So I I think that, you know, beyond this game, no one's given the Texans a chance to beat the Bills or even really be competitive against the Bills. But more than anything, I think at this point, Texans fans are more solely focused on the development, A, of, rookie quarterback Davis Mills, finding out what you have in Davis Mills and what's the need to draft a quarterback in the 22 NFL draft and what happens with Deshaun Watson, do you have more picks? 
and obviously whatever the developments of, of some of the other young players that they have on the roster as well. Yeah, there's been a lot of turnover in Houston ever since the Bill O'Brien era came to an end early on last season with Nick Casario coming in and now David Culley taking over as head coach and still the uncertainty of the future of Deshaun Watson. I'll get to Watson in a little bit, but what what is the best way to describe this Houston Texans team as of right now and going into the future? The best way to describe them right now is old. Old and rented is how I would describe them. A lot of the guys that are on the team right now on one-year deals, you think about a guy like Mark Ingram, who's their leading rush. Like, who thought in 2021 that Mark Ingram would be the number one running back for any NFL team? You think about that. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Christian Kirksey is their top linebacker. You know, Justin Reed is probably their best defensive player at safety and he's a guy that they're going to have to make a decision about you know in his fourth season it's a contract year they have to decide if they want to pay him and if they do what is exactly is he worth is he a star is he a star player at safety is he just a really good player and and so I mean I guess the best word to describe the team overall is uncertain and still experimental because a lot of the guys that are on the team right now you talked about Bill O'Brien a minute ago I mean, the, the, one of the major issues with Will O'Brien, aside from the, the headache deals that everybody knows about that made all the headlines, is just how he traded away all the draft picks. Now, to be fair, Nick Casario's dealt some draft picks as well just since he got here. But, I mean, that's the biggest issue with the team right now is that it's full of a bunch of guys who are on one- or two-year deals who don't project to be a part of the long-term future of the team. And then on the other side of that, they don't have a ton of young players because they haven't had these draft picks in the last couple of years. They don't have a ton of young players that they can hang their hat on. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 joining us right now on the Wester Hotline here on WGR. All right, so I, I'll I'll jump to the Deshaun Watson situation right off the bat here. What is the latest going on with this situation, and how soon do you think anything could be resolved, or is this still just completely a, hey, we uh, we don't know what the heck's going on right now? So the way that the Watson situation has been characterized publicly, and, and I would say it's been this way since, let's call it the offseason, let's call it the, the summer or the spring into the summer, post-allegations and lawsuits and, and, you know, into the summer and all the way up until now, the way it's been characterized publicly is day-to-day. And I think that that's really important for people to understand, especially as you get all of these national reports about what's going on, uh, what's being offered? Are the Texans open to trading him or, or softening their stance and all these other things? Well, the narrative for a while, for, for months now, has been day to day. And if you read between the lines, what I take that to mean is, hey, if we get the offer that we're looking for, whatever that offer is, right, if we get that, we will trade the guy. Like, And that's, a, that's a, a drastic change from how Nick Casario and David Culley, the head coach, you guys are also familiar with. That's a drastic change from how they talked about Watson when they first got hired earlier on in the year. He's our quarterback. We have a plan for the player. We have no interest in trading the player. So now it's day-to-day, and that's how they characterize it publicly, and he's on the roster and inactive every week. He practices on his own. He does not practice with the team. He works out on his own every, every day with the strength and conditioning staff, and that's how he goes about his work. So my read on it is, they don't have a time preference on when they trade Deshaun Watson, whether it's today, whether it's before the November trade deadline, whether it's the offseason before the draft. 
if they get the right price, they'll trade the guy. I think it's just all a, all a matter of things settling down off the field, and you know these are serious allegations that he's dealing with. And so, how does that color the way other teams look at him and what they're willing to give up for him? Now, it is important to keep in mind that Deshaun Watson has a no trade clause in his contract. And so he effectively gets to decide where he goes. And I think a lot of people forget that when you start talking about trade partners. Well, the partners are limited to the places that he's willing to veto the no-trade clause. So if it's Miami, it's Miami. If it's Denver, it's Denver. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if it's three or four teams, those are the three or four teams. So it's not really like what the narrative has been that, oh, they're waiting to find out what the draft positioning is of whatever potential trade partner is. Well, they don't, they don't actually have – the litany of, of options throughout the league to decide, oh, well, if such and such team bottoms out, then that's the place where we're sending Deshaun Watson. Well, no, he gets to decide that. So it's all about what they get offered and, and when they get offered that. And I, I think that if they find the right deal, they'll pull the plug as soon as they can. All right, Brandon. So you, you know Deshaun Watson. You have Tyrod Taylor starting a quarterback. He gets hurt in week two against Cleveland with a hamstring injury. He's now on IR. So you've gotten the chance to look at Davis Mills for a full game and a little extra in that Cleveland game. What has been your overall evaluation of Davis Mills? And do you, do you believe and do people in Houston believe that he could be a viable option at quarterback uh, for the time being, for the long term, what what are your thoughts on that? Better than I thought. I'll say that much. Now, full disclosure, I was not a proponent of them drafting Mills, even you know going back to the draft. I didn't want any of the quarterbacks that were available in the third round. So I, I was always skeptical of wh- wh- whichever quarterback they would have found available at that time. So And Davis Mills would be included in that. Now, with that said, He's shown a lot of improvement from the time we first started watching this guy in training camp when he had one he had one practice where he threw like five interceptions and in 11 on 11 drills. We might have even lost count after that. It was at least five. And he's got a he's got a tendency to give the ball to the other side and we haven't seen a lot of that since he got uh thrown into the fire so to speak. Uh didn't turn the ball over at all against Carolina. One of the things with Mills is that you could tell and the coaching staff has copped to this, that they tried to ease him in a little too much. Uh, they might have been a little bit too safe with him and, and maybe underestimated how much Davis Mills could handle because once they opened it up a little bit against Carolina, he wasn't bad. And if you look at how he's graded out compared to the other rookies, I mean, he's right there along the lines with his peers. Um, if you look at those numbers before the Thursday night game with, with Trevor Lawrence's performance, like just go – think before that and and you'll you'll see that he's right there with them so uh so it's been better than anticipated now when you talk about the faith in davis mills i think that the fans are open and interested in seeing him play this year because i mean what else do you got going on but the feeling is that your future is somewhere within your own pick that you know projecting that you'll finish toward the bottom of the league and whatever picture you're able to gather from the deshaun watson trade that somewhere in there is where you're going to find your quarterback of the future, and it's not necessarily Davis Mills. But since this is all we got for now, we're all in on watching Davis Mills and figuring out exactly what that is. 
Brandon Scott from Sports Radio 610 in Houston joining us right now on the Western Hotline here on WGR. Bills and Texans will kick off tomorrow at 1 o'clock at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park. We'll have the play-by-play action for you right here on WGR. So looking at the injury report here for the Texans, Brandon, it certainly doesn't necessarily look great. You know, Danny Amendola was ruled out with a thigh injury. That's a weapon for Davis Mills to uh, to get the ball off to. And, and Amendola's been a proven veteran veteran throughout the years in the NFL. Uh, some of the other notable names that that are you know questionable. Terrence Mitchell's questionable. Uh, you know you, you got a couple of players that are going on COVID nineteen. Just how much of an impact are these injuries and illnesses going to have on this team heading into this matchup against the Bills for you guys? Well, two of the players that aren't going to be available that we know for a fact have at least recently been two of their best players. Zach Cunningham is their leading tackler. Got paid last year. And while he's not very good in coverage, he is excellent against the run. And is somebody who, when you talk about, you know, keeping an eye on Josh Allen or trying to keep Josh Allen contained, which, you know, obviously much easier said than done, Zach Cunningham, at least athletically and physically, is a guy who you would look toward as someone who could do that. Um, Ross Blacklock, their second-round pick from a year ago, from 2020, had a disappointing rookie season and he's also going to be out. I think he's, he's the actual positive COVID test. And then Zach Cunningham is the close contact. And so neither one of those guys are going to be available. But Blacklock uh, had a disappointing year last year. Him and A.J. Epineza, you guys' uh, second-round pick from last year, are comparable in this way because A.J. was available when Ross Blacklock was taken. And I know a lot of guys uh, out here, Seth Payne, former Texan, senior NFL vet who hosts for us here at Sports Radio 16, mm-hmm. was, was a proponent of, of – Drafting A.J. Epeniza um, last year uh, over Ross Blacklock. These are both guys who this year look a lot better in their second season than they did in their rookie season. And so that's going to hurt them. And they've already, you talk about the defensive line for the Texans, they're already uh, hurt depth-wise there with Vincent Taylor, another interior defensive lineman who went down uh, with a significant injury, I believe, in the opener um, so Ross Blacklock was a guy who was supposed to provide depth there and ended up having to play a lot more. And so when you look at those two guys specifically, I think that's going to hurt them a lot up front. Terrence Mitchell suddenly became their top corner after having Bradley Roby. They traded him to the New Orleans Saints. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Mitchell somehow became their top corner. And he goes down with a concussion against uh, in that Browns game, his former team. And so they've been without him last week anyway. Um, so, so, yeah, they're depleted, and they're already a not very talented team. Um, so you would, you would, uh, it would stand to reason that any depth issues for a team that, that is dearth of talent the way these guys are uh, is going to hurt a lot. So uh, you weren't expecting this defense to, to cause a lot of trouble for Josh Allen, and they're certainly going to be uh, a hamper going into Sunday. Danny Amendola, I'll just say, was a surprise really good signing for them right before the season opened, and he caught every single one of his targets in the opener against Jacksonville. Um, He seemed to be like a revelation, and you would think that would be really good for a rookie quarterback like Davis Mills, but yeah, that's going to hurt him a lot. They've got Anthony Miller in the slot, somebody they traded for from the Chicago Bears right before training camp, so we'll see how that goes. He caught a touchdown pass against the Panthers, Uh, but again, for a team that doesn't have a lot there, losing your top guys is obviously not ideal. 
So without Danny Amendola in the lineup, I mean, other than Brandon Cooks, who else does Davis Mills have to distribute the football to? Who Who's going to potentially be able to stand out for them uh, in order for the Texans to possibly have a chance to upset the Bills? Right, right. It doesn't look good, Braden. It doesn't look good. It doesn't, I'm sorry, I just got to be honest with you, man. It's not looking good. Brandon Cooks, for what it's worth, is excellent. Runs great routes, catches everything. I mean, the only knock on Brandon Cooks is that he's just not a big body guy. He's only about 5'10 and whatever he weighs. But other than I mean, he plays big, excellent receiver. But outside of that, I mean, you're, I've mentioned Anthony Miller. I mean, you're looking at him in the slot. Chris Conley has been a bit of a disappointment on the outside as their second receiver. Pharaoh Brown, their, tight, their top tight end, has been injured ever since the, the end of the season opener. Hurt his shoulder and hasn't quite been the same. They don't have a lot of pass-catching options is what I'm getting at here. And then you look at what they say their identity is or what they wanted their identity to be going into the season. They were going to be this run-heavy team, bringing in a lot of the concepts from Baltimore with David Culley coming in here and Mark Ingram, and they signed Phillip Lindsay, who's also been a disappointment, coming out of Denver. You know, they can't run the ball worth anything. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as how, like, how to protect Davis Mills or how to help him help himself, they don't have a running game, an effective running game, at least up until this point from what we've seen. And outside of Brandon Cooks, those options are limited. I, I would like to tell you that, you know, Chris Conley should scare you or that Anthony Miller should scare you. Um, but beyond that, they got practice squads guys coming up like Chris Moore. And, you know, it's just it's just not enough to get it done. So uh, so expect the, the Bills defense to uh, to really have not, a, not really a tough time uh, against a limited – Texans offense. All right. So, Brandon, I'll just be straight up honest with you here for for my final Texans question, at least, because I do want to ask you about the Astros and and their outlook heading into the MLB postseason with it coming up here in a little bit. But I I was watching the Texans game against Carolina uh, in week three on Thursday Night Football, and I'll be honest here in saying, watching this team, I thought there's no way the Bills should have to play Josh Allen and a lot of their starters into the fourth quarter of this matchup just because just with the way that the offense really couldn't muster a lot of action against the Panthers and and just how they handled the Panthers pass rush and and also just the way that the the defense were trying to contain like DJ Moore and Sam Darnold and, and their effectiveness it just to me seems like uh, that Houston still has a lot of work heading into the the long-term future for the team. So uh, where, where this is going with where I'm asking you is how what's the best way for this Houston team to try and beat the Bills and be effective enough to remain in the game and have a chance to pull out a, a surprising victory, I think a lot of people would call this, uh, if it actually were to happen? I think offensively the Texans have to abandon this idea that they're a running team. And I'm, I'm not saying abandon the run game entirely because uh, that would obviously be drastic. But uh, abandon this idea that you are a running team and let it rip with Davis Mills. Like, I, I honestly think that they looked a lot better when they opened it up for Davis Mills. And, and, and again, I'm not trying to sell you on this guy being the, you know, the, the, the future of the franchise or, or you know, some kind of other version of Trevor Lawrence or anything like that. I'm just saying that they're so bad running the ball that I, I think that most fans here would tell you they that they probably trust whatever it is that Davis Mills has in them more so than they trust this running game. 
So I, I think that opening it up with Davis Mills is probably going to be their best option. Now, I just told you a moment ago, he doesn't have a lot of places to go with the football. So good luck with that. Right. Defensively, defensively I do think that up front, they're not too terrible. Now, again, the Ross Blacklock thing I think is going to matter because in that Carolina game that you mentioned, he had a strip sack and he got pressure on the quarterback and he was really good. Uh, probably his best game as a pro so far. Um, but sort of generally, this defense, the strength of it so far has been up front, the defensive line, and then Justin Reed, who I mentioned earlier, is a really good safety. I wouldn't say necessarily the caliber of safety that you guys have out there in Buffalo, mm-hmm. but a really good safety. And so defensively, I would say if they can do better in coverage in the middle of the field, and, and I imagine that the Bills have noticed this on film and Josh Allen is, is going to do his best to pick the Texans apart in the middle of the field and Lovey Smith, uh, Tampa's 4-3 base, uh, zone-heavy coverage defense that where, look, the way to beat them is the middle of the field. The linebackers don't play with enough depth in, in their coverage, and the safeties play too deep. And you mentioned D.J. Moore. That's a lot of what he was getting uh, on, those, on those chunk plays against the Texans. It was right up the middle of the field. So if the Texans can tighten that up a little bit and, and just be a little bit more resistant at how much they're giving up in the middle of the field, and if there's not too much of a drop-off on the defensive line without Ross Blacklock, they got some decent edge rushers in uh, Jacob Martin, Charles Aminahue, um Whitney Merciless is still there, a shell of himself, but uh, has a couple of sacks on the season. They can get to the quarterback a little bit, and, and, and I'm not sure how much I believe in, in the Bills' offensive line. I know, you, I know they played a lot better uh, most recently, but, but, but that's the strength of the defense. Up front and, and Justin Reed kind of roaming around, being nosy and trying to make plays. He didn't play, obviously, in the, in the Carolina game because of a knee injury, and they missed him. So, so with him back and hopefully for them, tightening up a little bit uh, in, in coverage and what they do in the middle of the field, that is their best bet. I'm not going to even say to win the game because I, I just don't think that that's even possible. I'm not giving them any chance to win the game. But to make it not embarrassing or, or if they want to cover this what seems like a historic spread for an NFL game, I know you guys were talking about that a moment ago, if they got any chance at that, uh, that's what they got to do. Be, be disruptive up front, um, which they've shown a, a little bit of an ability and tendency to do, and, and be a lot better in what they give up in the middle of the field. Well, I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you get in some quick thoughts here on the Astros here, Brandon. Brandon Scott from Sports Radio six ten in Houston joining us right now. The MLB season officially coming to an end this weekend as uh, the playoff races will wrap up. The Astros have already wrapped up the AL West. I mean, not not much of a challenge really uh, out in the West, but I mean, certainly, what what do you think the chances are for the Astros this year to make another deep run in the postseason and, and maybe win a World Series again? I think they've got decent chances. I'm not picking them to, to win the World Series or even go to the World Series for that matter. I think that's going to end up being the Tampa Bay Rays. I do think – I do like their chances of beating the White Sox in, uh, in the ALDS, especially if they wrap up home field advantage, and I think that they will do that. All they've got to do is win one game or have the White Sox lose one. So that, that seems to be pretty much a wrap. And the White Sox, uh, if you look at it, especially amongst the, the, the playoff teams, are one of the worst – road teams that's out there and one of the better home teams and the Astros obviously play well at home as well so I think home home field advantage matters specifically in that series and and again look this is one of the better offensive teams in baseball if not the best 
A lot was made about the sign stealing scandal, and rightfully so. But even since then, this has continued to be, you know, a, a dominant team at the plate. So I, I think they can rely on that. But the places where you're concerned about the Astros, if you're an Astros fan, and I, and I know the folks here in Houston are aware of this, is is the pitching. They don't have the starting pitching that they had when they made that World Series run. There is no more Justin Verlander. Obviously, they didn't they didn't win a World Series with Garrett Cole, but they went to one and had a chance to win one, lost in seven games. They have nothing that resembles that now on the pitching staff now, even though Lance McCullers has had, you know, a career season as their number one pitcher. You know, Zach Greinke is a shell of himself and is probably going to pitch out of the bullpen, and he hasn't done that in, you know, almost 15 years or so. So, and, and to the point of the bullpen, they've made drastic moves since the trade deadline or leading up to the trade deadline, trading their starting center fielder uh, just, to, just to bolster the bullpen, and we're still not exactly sure – how good the bullpen is, and as we, as we most of us know, when it comes down to the postseason, especially in recent years, how good your bullpen is matters a lot. It matters a lot, uh, almost as much as your starting pitching. So, uh, so offensively, we love the Astros and and their potential. Now, they also have a tendency to, to go silent. The bats have a tendency to be real inconsistent and streaky and go silent. And you know, obviously, this would be the, the worst time of the season to do that. Um, but, but when you look at the pitching, it's got to be a concern. Um, and you look at the teams that they're going to have to go through, I'm thinking about the White Sox. I'm thinking about more than likely the Rays who I'm picking to, to go to the World Series and their pitching and especially their bullpen. Um, you gotta like got to like their chances better. But, um, but they've got just as cha- good a chance as any other team when you look at the talent up and down the roster. Well, be sure to follow Brandon on Twitter. Brandon K. Scott is his Twitter handle. You can follow him there and uh, and also check him out over on uh, sports on uh, odyssey.com slash sports radio 610. Brandon, appreciate the time you took uh, for, for someone who said it was being long-winded. Wasn't too bad. Thanks again for taking the time today to uh, talk about the Texans and, and best of luck the rest of the way for the season and best of luck to the Astros as well for you guys. Yeah, yeah, man. I tried to keep the breaks in mind and kept, kept my, my my rambling pretty limited. But uh, I appreciate you guys having me, and uh, and hopefully we get to do it again. Absolutely, soon. absolutely, man. Thanks again. Have a great uh, rest of your Saturday. All right, you too, man. Thank All you. right, Brandon Scott. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.